if the person that you're collaborating is a douchebag, regardless of whether he's a scientist or an artist, you wouldn't want to work with him or her. So it's the person that's important. The label comes in later. I was kind of, oh, I'm working with an artist. So in the very beginning, when we first met, the first several days, I was very stressed. I'm like, what am I supposed to do? Like, am I supposed to do something artistic? You know, and that's that's not at all. Like, just relax is, I think, the best advice. <laughs> You're listening to the Art Meets Podcast, brought to you by the Swiss Arts Council Proelvitia, focusing on art, science, and technology. Listen to conversations with artists and scientists and explore how they inspire each other. A mutual understanding and an interest for one another seems to be essential for productive collaboration. And a good sense of humor probably always helps. In this episode, Art Meets Biotechnology. I'm Jennifer Kakshori, and my guests are Yasha Shetty and Sachiko Hiroswe. They will introduce each other. Sachiko is a Japanese-American scientist that I've worked with for a very long time now. I think it's almost 10 years. Yashas Shetty is, I mean, someone that I admire very much. He is, I would say he's, uh, labeling him is difficult. She currently lives in Osaka in Japan. I have not known many, closely, many people from Japan. So in some way, she fits the stereotype for me of a Japanese person, which is very, you know, almost like a Swiss person, I guess. I mean, if you say nine o'clock, it is nine o'clock. Now, this might seem normal to you, but for an Indian It's very alien. Nine o'clock, I don't know what that means. Time doesn't exist. He's difficult to catch in person. So if you call him, if you text him, if you email him, you have to catch him when his portal is open to the world, I think. So he, he has his own universe. And so that makes him... I think what makes him very different from other people. She is organized. The thing that I like about her the most is her mind is just open to all these new experiences. He's an educator at heart, and that's where our closest connection is. But he's also, I mean, an artist, and he makes music. He's a time and space warper. I think in the beginning I was trying to figure out whether my words got through or something like that. So I mean, even though we were speaking English and we both speak English fine, I always wondered, did I explain myself or did he understand me and stuff like this? So I'll put this in my CV. Thanks, Fachiko. It's it's great. It's a nice Instagram tag, space and time warper. Talking about space and time, we are on three different continents in different time zones when we meet on screen. I'm in Zurich, Yasha's in Bangalore, and Sachiko in Osaka. The artist and the bioengineer first met about 10 years ago. In Switzerland, yes. 
We met in a very old monastery in Roma Mortier, where our friend Marc Tussayer had organized this thing called the Hacteria Lab, which is a retreat, not a retreat, I don't know how to describe it again, a place where artists, scientists, hackers, etc. meet. And that's, I think that is where I first met you. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, totally. It was 10 days, 40 people, something like that. Yeah. And of course, um, Sachiko was already world famous then in the sense that <laughs> what? everybody said you should meet her. But again, because Mark has a knack for finding these extremely strange, quasi-mystical spaces, it was kind of special. Mark Dusseye, a Swiss transdisciplinary artist and scientist, together with Yasha's they are two of the founders of Hacteria. Hacteria is a platform that gathers life scientists, hackers and artists. One of their goals is to find interfaces between living matter in an art environment. When I prepared for this episode of the Art Meets podcast, I researched and looked for results or a thing I could present to you right here, something that came out of the collaboration between Yashas and Sachiko and thought, well, let them tell me. What did they actually work on exactly? Well, I think we had fun together. I mean, that's <laughs> that's like the number one thing. And at least for me, I think a collaboration is always split into two parts. One is a professional thing which the world sees and the world says, okay, this is what you did together. But then there's always the personal aspect, which is we had many discussions about random things. We've had a personal relationship, which is like any friendship, right? So in that sense, professionally, I think the biodesign project is what we would present, which is how do biologists work with artists and designers? What can happen with that collaboration? That's a professional part of it. And that's the Biodesign for the Real World project, which is what we'd be known for, but that's just one part. I guess they caught me here. I was expecting something tangible, sound merges of science into improvised electronic music or so. Obviously, I was on the wrong track. I wanted to hear what the product or the outcome of the collaboration is. Instead, he mentions the platform called Biodesign for the Real World, and Sachiko refers to that. Everyone wants a product, and so the product, as Yasha says, is, uh, at least in Switzerland, the project was a collaborative project between Yasha's and also some friends in Indonesia. They're also an artist collective. And in Switzerland, the people that I we were collaborating together on the biodesign project were students at EPFL, and they are part of the life sciences, uh, Sciences de la Vie department, and they got to choose to do a project. And I set it up as an open project, partly because I thought there was this kind of interaction with people who are not engineers or not scientists, 
and collaboration outside of this kind of、uh, environment was not available. And I found it so wonderful for myself that I thought more people should experience it. Nourishing the unconscious, exchanging ideas at workshops, bringing knowledge together instead of creating a product. Yasha's the sound artist and faculty member of the Shrishti Institute of Art, Design and Technology in Bangalore, and Sachiko, who used to be a senior researcher at the Institute of Bioengineering at the Swiss Federal Institute in Lausanne, the EPFL. Now she works in Osaka as the CEO of a company specialized in the recycling of lead. Yasha's is a charismatic, curious guy. He has his own sense of time and space, and the philosophical approach to life. Sachiko is equally curious and funny, but regarding space and time, she sticks to the Swiss clock, as I do too. How did the two of them actually collaborate? I think we were looking for a common place to start looking at, like a subject that we were interested in, both for Yasha's and me and my group of friends and. Collaborators when I was in Switzerland, and the common thing between Switzerland, India, and Indonesia was water. So it was a local exploration of water, and also making a local network of people, community members. I think community building is part of what happened in biodesign, and then there. Are, It's hard to explain because it's not a product, but of course there were sound events that inspired people that I worked with in Switzerland to engineers who've never really tried to make sound as an output before to use sound as an output, and there were collaborations that kind of translated like this. But we didn't try to collaborate to make a product together. Is that how you see it, Yashas? Yeah, I guess I mean in in the classic sense of art practice, the process is more important, which I think was interesting when the scientists and engineers began to embrace that concept that you know that there is a process which is as interesting as a final product. So that is one aspect. The other is. The idea of working with communities, where your product or your artifact does not exist in a white cube in a gallery, it goes out and lives in the world. And I think one of the most important thing was both of us were big fans of、um, Victor Papenak, a designer who wrote this book called Design for the Real World, where he asked designers to stop making. Glitzy, glamorous things, and just go out to the world and solve problems, which is why our project was called Bio Design for the Real World. So, in my work with biologists, I'd seen that a lot of the work stays in a lab; it rarely comes out to the real world. So, I think at the heart of the project was also the fact that. You had these scientists doing these amazing things. How do we get this work out into the real world? How how does this work exist outside the laboratory? So that was also a driving force. Yasha's is an all-embracing person regarding content and people, but that alone won't do the work. 
And that's where he learned from the well-organized Sachiko. How do you keep things going? How do you organize stuff? You know, how do you communicate across three continents? How do you keep that project going? That's something I don't have the skills to do, but that's something I watched her doing. And maybe, hopefully, I learned from that. As Yashas often told me, relax is one thing. I mean, it does take time. If you focus on an output, it becomes very stressful because the processes are different. So you kind of two different instruments with different harmonics trying to find each other kind of thing. So it just takes time. Sachiko adds she had to learn to enjoy the process rather than focus on a product. She also points out her engineering students did not become technicians for artwork, nor did Yasha's art students become science communicators. It was more a thing of tearing down boundaries of disciplines and expanding horizons. And, as both of them mentioned, they started the biodesign for the real-world project, exploring how biology and biotechnology can be designed within social contexts. And once again, I got on their case and asked them for a tangible example. I think in terms of tangible objects, there was a lot of hardware. There was, for example, a DIY incubator. At that time, a PhD student at EPFL, who is now graduated, designed hardware for an incubator. In Bangalore, we have a place called Kolar, which was a gold mine. And because people were digging for gold, the arsenic started to pollute the surrounding waters. So a lot of work with the students at Shrishti, for example, involved mapping the pollution in water across Kolar using the hardware designed at the biodesign project to kind of measure how much arsenic is present in water. So one of the goals was to quantify pollution, arsenic pollution, using biological sensors. So how would you use a bacteria that changes color to quantify for arsenic in water. So how could you make biological sensors to detect pollution? That was a large part of what we worked on in Bangalore. Meanwhile, in Indonesia, it was uh, one of the big problems is E. coli contamination in water. So how would you use the same kinds of sensors to detect E. coli contamination? And how could a community independent of large institutions work on this? One of the things that was very nice is that this is like a do-it-yourself but also open project. And the documentation, I mean, okay, as researchers, we document in laboratory notebooks, we publish papers, but the process, as Yasha said earlier, is very important And actually, one of the products is a website and a wiki. Now, maybe it's kind of normal that scientists also are on Twitter, but their audience isn't necessarily everyone. I mean, you have Twitter accounts that are really either educational and talking to the public or talking to 
you know, other fellow scientists. But this, I think, was a very more open way to communicate with other people. You can find the websites in the show notes of this podcast. Where do Sachiko and Yasha's go from here? So right now, I think our collaboration is on hold because Sachiko has moved to Japan and so on. But at the back of my head, uh, because there is like this overarching goal for me at least, which was how do you build this intense collaboration? It takes a long, long time for something to happen. And also I think the work that we did, there was so much output that we need some time to step back and reflect on what we did because it involves so many people across countries. You had tangible objects as well. And what, what does it mean, though? You need to reflect on that as well. Yeah, or, I mean, now I think this word is available, but like safe space, a space where people feel comfortable to explore. And oftentimes, if you go to science public events or science and art events, people are quite formal, but this informal, comfortable space where people can share their experiences made it possible for people to ask questions, I think. And that's a very precious space, whether it's science or art or politics or whatever. Take time and reflect and create safe spaces to explore science and art, as Yasha Shetty and Sachiko Hirosue have. They were my guests in the Art Meets podcast brought to you by the Swiss Arts Council Proelvetia within the Art, Science and Technology Focus, a focus of Proelvetia for the next three years. If you're a scientist or an artist and interested in a collaborative process, then check the Proelvetia website for opportunities. In the next episode, Art Meets Environmental Studies. Every music we love is the sound of this epoch, is the byproduct of the exploitation of natural resources and uh, the byproduct of these cultural, political and technical processes. My experience of the interface between artists and people doing other disciplines is that there is a lot of blah, blah. That is pollution. <laughs> so there must be something deep driving it. This podcast is produced by the Audiobande, a joint venture for sound adventures. <laughs>